lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast on Calcio at the highest level. Frank Ravello here. Glad you have clicked on and gotten stuck in with us yet again. Uh, we're going to take start by taking a uh, visit to what happened in Europe at midweek. Uh, recap all of those games for you real quick and what it means for each of the teams. Uh, then we will dive into the match week 12 slate, including that derby della Lanterna between Genoa and Sampdoria. And uh, we'll finish it off with a discussion about Giampiero Ventura's called up Azzurri, and he finally came to his senses on a certain player. And, of course, uh, I'm not going to even leave you in suspense. It's Jorginho. It's one of the worst-kept secrets. Jorginho <laughs> finally got called up to the Italian national team. Um, so in that sense, he got called up. He came to his senses. But, once again, he has called in Matteo Darmian and Eder. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about all of that a little bit later. But let me bring in my co-host, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing? Uh, we're uh, we're doing all right. Uh, you know, another uh, another big weekend in Serie A. You know, uh, I, Saturday I actually kind of took in the um, uh, you know the, the the English Premier League slate of, of games. You know, the, the their multi you know their version of multi culture was right, four right. games, and they were all one nil. And it had me longing for Serie A. Why uh, <laughs> so. would you do that to yourself? Uh, I, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. Uh, tw- 25 goals in nine games on match week 12. So yeah, a little bit a little bit below average, but uh, the game that was postponed, Lazio and Udinese, uh, they say rain. I say Luigi Del Neri found uh, the password to the sprinkler system at the Olimpico and just flooded that bad boy, wanted no part of Chile Mobley. What do you think? Yeah, they, they saw six goals coming against them, and they didn't want any part of that. And that would have put Serie A over 30 uh, again for yet another match week. So uh, Luigi Nelly putting a halt to all the fun. Damn you. Uh, Sonia, do something about your coach. <laughs> so, oh, my. So, um, But, no, uh, I, I guess some, uh, some downpours. Pretty much the pitch was uh, uh, entirely unplayable, um, you know, leaving that game. Uh, you know, no word on when it will be rescheduled, just um, that it will be rescheduled. All right. Well, let's start this uh, podcast by uh, recapping what happened in midweek uh, in Europe for our Serie A teams in the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. Uh, let's start with a real good AS Roma uh, at home, dist- running riot on Chelsea 3-0. Uh, Stefan El Shraoui, uh getting the party started with that first-minute screamer. Uh you know, put the uh, Gialarossi ahead um, and uh, really putting a shock into how this, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, really just putting a shock into things. I think everybody looked at this to be tight, looked to be tense, but it was a goal that ended up setting the tone. Uh, the Pharaoh would get his brace in the 36th minute and the neck tat uh, popping up with the goal in the 63rd minute. Wait a second, it's Roma. We need to be specific with neck tats. There's a that's couple. That's right, that's right. Uh, Diego Perotti. Uh, finishing it off, 3-0 to Roma over Chelsea, an absolute battering that put Antonio Conte's uh, uh, job in jeopardy uh, with uh, the Londoners. But uh, with that, coupled with Atletico Madrid drawing Carabag uh, 1-1 at home, Roma topped this group after four match days on eight points, Chelsea seven, Atletico Madrid three, Carabag, uh, Carabag on two. Who would have thought it? Who would have thunk it? 
Uh, hey, I hey, I'm I'm gonna put it out there. We had Solano on a few weeks ago, and when we were previewing Roma's chances in the Champions League, and I said I think Roma's path is that Atletico Madrid's window is closing. Yeah. So and they drew twice to Carabag. Yep. So that's on them. And I'd like to give my I like to I would I would say that I pat myself on the back for calling the win, which I did, but I did not think that. I, I was thinking maybe a one goal game, you know, possibly. Three goals, did not see that. And El Sharawi is staying on form from the weekend. Uh, sensational goals, sensational form right now. Good for him because he's, uh, he always had that potential and he kind of lost it for a little bit, but it looks like he possibly got that back. Disgusting that he's got that form because he should still be in Milan. I agree. Um, I agree. Boy, they could use somebody high on the left side right now, uh, you know, to kind of take some of the pressure off of Suso, but we'll talk about that, um, a little bit later. Uh, they have a spine. I, you know, we we questioned it, but Roma with a spine. You know, here's here's what I thought kind of coming into this game, Richard. I thought, okay, they're going the other. They're going to let me down. They've got me feeling really good about them. They did this to me <laughs> last year. Damn it! Every and year. and then the you know, and I can only imagine what it's like for a Roma fan, let alone me. I thought, okay they're going to lose this game. Chelsea's going to beat them. They're going to be sitting in the dumps and we're going to be like, same old Roma. It hasn't happened. They have a spine now. I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still treading lightly. I'm still walking on eggshells when I, when, when, when I have optimism for Roma, but how can you not be excited about what they've done? Three words. Isebio Di Francesca. He is, he's doing things with the team that, you know, he's giving the team something they didn't, they've never had really. And, well, at least in not in the last 17 years, 16 years since they last won the Scudetto. They got a spine. They're playing well defensively. They're still scoring goals like they did last year and the years before. But it's just, they have, they have, they have balls now, basically. They, they can play with anybody. They're not scared of anybody. I mean, they went to Stanford Bridge and tied them 3-3 there, uh, Chelsea, that is. And then they go here and follow that up with a victory 3-0 against Chelsea. Um, yeah. And they, they showed in Serie A too. They, they, you know, other than that one game, They've been on fire. They've been playing very, very well. They're, they, they've got gumption. They're winning these one, one nothing, two nothing games. They know how to defend. They know how to keep the lead. Shock. Yeah, it's it's incredible to see just how long can they keep this up. This is still, uh, this is in fact still um, uh, Roma. We are talking about. So uh, you so know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> You keep fooling me, and and I think we're all living in shame. But right now, let's just let's just let's just celebrate what they're doing and how they've been playing. It's been great, knowing that now they only have to go to Atletico Madrid and just get a point. Um, that's huge, uh, you know. And then with Karabag having to come to the Olympico, they don't have to make that trip. They've done that trip to Azerbaijan already. Um, you got to think qualification for the last sixteen is certain. Uh, with all due respect to those two teams. So well done, Roma. Now let's yes. get to uh, the old lady, Juventus, in Group D. They played at Sporting Lisbon. Uh, they carried a three-point advantage over Sporting Lisbon for second spot um, in the UEFA Champions League heading in. They would leave, uh, you know, with a three-point advantage. Uh, wasn't looking that way, though. Uh, Sporting mm-hmm. Lisbon actually got on the score sheet first through Bruno Cesar in the 20th minute. Uh, but 11 minutes from time, the standard turned up yet again. Gonzalo Higuain scoring. When he gets him, 
Gonzalo Higuain, when he scores, he gets them in massive. He's either going to go on a long drought or he's going to score in massive bunches. And right now he's in that spot where fire him up. He's just scoring in massive bunches right now. Oh, yeah. And it's a very streaky player, like you said. Um, so when he's when he's on form, he is on form. He's not going to stop scoring. Uh, he, you'll be lucky if you keep him to one goal a game. Um, but then he has those streaks, those moments when he disappears. So hopefully this, uh, for Juventus' sake at least, uh, this form continues for a long time. Yeah, and that three-point advantage, critical. And then the head-to-head over Sporting Lisbon, critical in, in, for all intents and purposes about securing qualification. Uh, you know, the way this breaks down, Juventus does play host to Barcelona on match day five. They're three points behind them. Uh, would need to beat them by more than three uh, to overtake them for top spot in the group. I'm, I'm assuming that it's based on your head-to-head aggregate against teams for tiebreakers. Um, with uh, Sporting at home uh, against Olympiacos. So um, all of that in mind, uh, it would behoove Juventus to try to at least grab a point from Barcelona uh, on match day five. Hopefully the comforts of home will uh, will serve them well there because uh, I, I expect Sporting to be able to get the three points at home against Olympiacos. And then match day six would see Juve having to go to Greece. Uh, so looks good for them, but we can't get totally carried away sporting still there uh and and, and ready to pounce if you they slip yeah I and mean, we've seen crazier things happen so juventus got to stay you know, they got to play well they want probably redemption against barcelona for that beating they took early, earlier in the campaign um yep. so you know i think that they'll, they'll do well and i and you know i i expect them to to move on as i do with roma so um yeah let's see what, let's see what they're made of because you know there's definitely no quitting in, in sporting and you see what kind of team they are at home they're very good they nearly won that game so um it'll be tough but it's 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 not that i'm not gonna say a lock but it's they're gonna qualify I, unless something crazy happens yeah they should be good to go uh now getting to the team that is in deep trouble i wrote about it in my blog be very afraid if they did not win on match day four uh against uh, Man- Manchester City because their prospects for qualification would get very, very grim indeed. Uh, not only did they not win, they actually lost the match, and that is Napoli at home against Manchester City. Now, if you were just a neutral like Richard and I, what a fun game to watch. Yeah. Um, what a fun. That was mesmerizing. I, you know, uh, the uh, the British-based uh, announcers who, carried the, who, uh, who did the commentary on the game for the feed that we got at halftime said that they just got done catching their breath, and now the second... Started. Yeah, yeah. That was what you were looking for. I mean, just two teams that uh, just play lights out, attractive attacking football, and it was it was full on display. Uh, the Partenope got it going and, and got the lead, a beautiful one too, between Insigne and Mertens. Lorenzo Insigne finishing that off uh, to put them ahead. But then the same thing that plagues Napoli in these kinds of competitions reared its ugly head. Uh, we had this conversation with James McGee several weeks ago, and it happened to turn up at a very bad time, starting with Nicholas Otamendi with the equalizer um, at, in the 34th minute. And then shortly after halftime, uh, John Stones outleaping everybody, which isn't a stretch to do against Napoli, uh, <laughs> to put City ahead two goals to one, really putting Napoli under pressure. Uh, but uh, they are spared by a penalty the other way that Jorginho uh, finishes off to equalize it at 2-2, game on. From there on out, it was glaringly obvious that from minute 62 to minute 69, which is the next goal that happened, it was Napoli really trying to press and push to make it 3-2. 
where City was like not not vital for us to win this game, but a point will a point will serve us well. Let's uh, you know because the point for Manchester City that they would qualify. Napoli were going into the all-out attack. Lo and behold, a counterattack done expertly by Manchester City, finished by Sergio Aguero in the 69th minute. That put City ahead. And then Raheem Sterling, for good measure, finishing it off in stoppage time to give City the 4-2 win. Big uh, crossroads here for Napoli because their scenario is this. They need to beat Shakhtar by at least two. Um, at home on match day five. Starting with that, they'll still only be three points back, so they'll be going into match day six, heading to Feyenoord while Pep takes the kids uh, to the Ukraine, um, where Napoli need to beat Feyenoord and then City need to beat Shakhtar for Napoli to qualify under that scenario. Um, what do you? How, how 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 do you see Napoli approaching this? Do they still? Is there still an in it to win it mentality, or have they just uh, have they just said this might be too much? I, we're not going to we're not going to go out of our way. The scudetto is um, is very doable for us this season. I mean, if you're sorry, if you're De Laurentiis, you're some of those backroom people. If you're the players, I mean, what, what's the attitude about the Champions League at this point with two match days to go? Uh, well, first, the thing that seemed most glaringly obvious to me in the game uh, against City was that. It felt like City was just sitting back, you know, letting you, um, Napoli do what they want to do and try to try to score. And then whenever City felt like they wanted to score, they could they just scored easily. That's what it yeah. seemed like to me. Uh, but going back to that, what you were asking me, um, you know, I've seen a lot of Napoli supporters online, and it seems like they've all like basically tossed it in the towel and said, "Let's go for the Scudetto, forget the Champions League, or forget forget Europe. Let's just focus on the Scudetto." Um, you know, I don't know if you want to quit on it just yet. I mean, because if they somehow do get their stuff together and then qualify to the out of the group stages, that'll be a big morale boost. Whether they go far in, in the Champions League or not, that'll be a big boost for them and it can help them in Serie A because their, their reform in Serie A has been good, but they've had some close games as well. Um, what I would do, uh, if I were sorry, I would send uh, Pep a huge case, maybe five cases of nice wine from you know Tuscany and say, take all your big boys to uh, to Ukraine and, and, and see this see the three points out but yep. that's, that's what i would do um will they do that i don't know but pep does like his wine i know that so that's what i would do if i was sorry and if i was pep i would send a return letter saying thank you for all the wonderful wine uh no no <laughs> <laughs> he's a smart man he probably would do that <laughs> yeah it's uh it's just the way it is so um but yeah yeah go ahead I I say just start with I mean it what's it's going to be telling the lineup that Saudi puts out against Shakhtar. You know, if you yeah. see some if you something if you see something quirky, it's going to be kind of like, well, we're not really committed to this, but we're going to put a team out there that can still win. Um it, that to me will be the you know, that will be to me will be the telling thing, you know, as to as to their intentions. So, um you know, until then, you know, we we don't know. Uh uh, we'll have to see. But if you're a Napoli fan, certainly um, you're uh, you're saying, "All right, to hell with this. Let's go win the Scudetto." Uh, you have a uh, you have a fact here about the Champions League you want to share? Unfortunately, yes. Um, Napoli have conceded four goals in the same match for the first time under Maurizio Sarri. Hashtag hit to the mouth. Mm. Not a good not a good stat you want to read if you're an Italian fan or Napoli fan. No kidding. I would have thought maybe there was a. Um, 
you know, like a five, four game in there or something like that. That's the first time he's conceded. Uh, he's conceded four goals against an opponent as, as manager of Napoli. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's, uh, not looking good for Napoli, looking good for Roma and Juventus. So it looks like Serie A has a chance to send two teams to the round of 16 at this point. The way things are looking, Napoli are going to need uh, a lot of help in order to be that third team. So, uh, But nonetheless, we'll get on that Juventus and Roma bandwagon for the last 16. And hopefully Napoli can join. Uh, but two match days left and anything can happen. That's so, right. Um, on to the Europa League, and we'll uh, talk about these as a collective. Uh, AC Milan in a very listless, uh, uninspiring performance uh, against AEK Athens, a nil-nil draw. Uh, noteworthy was that was Leonardo Benucci's first game since his suspension. Um, a, a Milan that generated some chances, and AEK Athens that actually looked like they had a couple chances to win the game. Uh, but that win, or I mean that draw, keeps Milan uh, top of Group D on eight points with AEK Athens on six Austria Wien on four. So for Milan, the uh, the the goal is simple: uh, a win at home, match day five against Austria Wien, and they qualify uh, over to uh, Group E with Atalanta. A at, off to Cyprus, a one-one draw with Apollon. Uh, Josip Ilicic on a penalty in the 35th minute, and it was Zelaya who canceled that out uh, at the very last minute of the game to give Apollon a precious point, even though. Uh, for Apollon, it's not going to really do much for them. They're on three points, while Atalanta and Lyon are tied on eight, uh, and each very much looking like the teams uh, going through. Atalanta head to Everton next uh, on match day five. Milan, by the way, host Austria Wien uh, on match day five. And then going down to Group K, Lazio have assured qualification to the next round of the Europa League. Uh, Simone Inzaghi's men nicking a 1-0 win over Nice at home. A late Marfa Perot logo there. Uh, putting the uh, Bianca Celesti through to the uh, the round of 32 uh, at the expense of the French side. So uh, Lazio through with Atalanta and Milan in very strong positions to qualify Richard Uh we have three teams that uh, seem to care about the Europa League, uh, even though uh, a lot of a lot of criticism for Milan and their performance in the game against AEK Athens. How did you uh, uh, how did you like what you saw from the Italian sides on Thursday? Um, from the from the Milan match, I didn't. There's not, there wasn't too much to like, even though you have to re- remember that AEK Athens are undefeated in this tournament right now too, so they've been getting a lot of draws. Um, so they, they were in it to play defensively, but you know that aside. Overall, I think uh, the Italians did quite well. They're all either on top of their group, or uh, they're all progressing, or in in in, in good shape to progress. Um, what's big? What's what's noteworthy? I guess you could say about Lazio is uh, Lazio have won each of their f- starting four group stage games for the first time in Europa League. Um, mm-hmm. They've never done it before in, in their history, so that's that's pretty big. Uh, Inzaghi's got their team rolling right now in Europa League. Um, so it's good to see. And, and Atalanta, like I said, Atalanta did what they had to do against uh, uh, Apollon. So it's looking good right now. So yep. I hope they can keep it going. And Lazio went on and won that game without Ciro Immobile too. So uh, yeah. Simone Inzaghi showing off some resources there, which was pretty impressive. You know, I, I Milan's effort infuriated me on the one end. On the other end, they're still in first place in the group. And I've got to exactly. just... 
I've got to center myself when it comes to getting frustrated with how they do in the Europa League because when I saw the group draw, when I saw the situation for Milan, my, my two objectives for them were qualify and don't get anybody needlessly injured. This is true. We're really, you know, get just those two things. I mean, that's really the priority, you know, uh, you know, as far as Milan is concerned with the three teams that they drew in their group, because uh, it's it's clearly going to be a breeze for them. Um, I, I don't know if they're really making it harder. AEK Athens has been has to your to your point, they've been tough, um, and uh, <clears throat> I believe they have the win against Rijeka, and I think they drew. Yeah. yeah. Okay, they drew Austria Vienna, so they, they haven't lost yet. So it's not like uh, you know they, they've been stingy, and certainly AEK Athens has made. Uh, Europa League a priority and trying to qualify for the round of 32 uh, and try to get some of that additional money for them, um, especially with some of the financial situations that they were uh, uh, they were under heading in. So, um, but uh, right now we're looking at maybe five teams. Well, all, all six teams will go through. We'd, we'd be looking at whether Napoli somehow miraculously make the last 16 of the Champions League or whether they will be joining Milan, Lazio, and Atalanta in the Europa League. Uh, but that was our wrap on Europe. Your take on what you've seen from Serie A in Europe. Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram with your thoughts. Let's fire up the recap of Match Week 12. All right. Uh, match Week 12, uh, you know, not the sexiest slate we're ever going to see, but it did include a derby. Uh, that um, if you have not seen this derby, uh, as a neutral, you would definitely be compelled with the fanfare, uh, with the pageantry that you see from the fans, with uh, you know, with some of the things that are going on there, and the fact that uh, it's it's bragging rights to see who is the best team in you know in in one of these shall we say provincial cities. Although I don't know if Genoa is really a provincial city, it's it's a decent size. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good size. Decent size. Decent-sized town as far as the peninsula is concerned. But it's always a fun one to watch. It's a fun one for uh, neutrals like uh, Richard and myself to watch. And that is the Derby della Lanterna between Genoa and Sampdoria. That took place on Saturday. Uh, Genoa uh, playing well, but just not getting the results. Uh, they've been in a lot of games. They just haven't been able to find a way to get points. Sampdoria have been the darlings this season under Marco Giampaolo, which... Uh, Anyone that listens uh, to this uh, podcast was going to expect that. Uh, so uh, two teams needing a big result for very different reasons. Sampdoria trying to keep chase uh, for a European position. Genoa just trying to tread water at this point uh, and get themselves out of the bottom three. Um, and uh, the first goal of the game would come in the 24th minute by uh, what some might say would be a surprise inclusion in Sampdoria's lineup. Lo stacco di Zapata, mettere in movimento Ramirez, area di rigore, la controlla con il destro, pallone in porta, il vantaggio della Samp, si sblocca il punteggio al Ferraris al minuto 24, la prima rete in campionato di Gaston Ramirez. Gaston Ramirez is showing why Marco Giampaolo is a very smart man, Richard. A lot of thought that maybe Gianluca Caprari would get a start in this game uh, where it would be him and, and Zapata and Quagliarella in some sense, but uh, uh, Giampaolo re uh, relied on his uh, trequartista to, uh, to be involved in this from the go word go. Yeah, Giampaolo knows that, you know, if the Sampdoria are going to go anywhere this season, they need to have depth and need to have, you know, everyone playing well, not just a few uh, so that's you know Gaston Ramirez got the start and he he paid a 
he he gave uh, he made his coach look like a genius with because he scored uh, first goal of the game. So big 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 moment to put him in there, and big moment he you know repaid his his coach by you know scoring a goal. This would go on to be a very balanced game uh, as far as the, and it's something that you definitely want to see out of a derby. Uh, you know, Genoa still were trying to press, trying to create some chances, had a little bit better of the possession in this game than Sampdoria, had a couple more shots. Uh, you know, and we're trying to uh, look to get something out of it. But six minutes from time, uh, this is a country for old men still. Ancora Torreira, l'apertura, la deviazione per il Napoto. Facile, il gol del 2-0 per Fabio Quagliarella. Per lui il primo gol in un derby della Lanterna. Fabio Quagliarella at it again uh, for the Blue Karate. He is not going quietly into that good night and... Uh, uh, good to see him. Good to see out of him so far. Uh, you know, with uh, you know the talk of the form that Duvan Zapata is, the aforementioned Caprari, uh, Gaston Ramirez. The midfielders have been phenomenal for Sampdoria, but there's the old man bopping up for the goals, Richard. Yeah, and I dare I say that he's the one actually, you know, catapulting this team ahead because uh, the young guys are seeing this guy still. You know, he's putting all his efforts in and getting goals, and they want to they want to keep up, keep up with him. So uh, I think he's just pulling the team along, and it's great to see. Uh, old old man Qualiarella, you know, keeping the keeping the scoring up it was good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for you know, tale of two teams right now, and just kind of the uh, fortunes that they're in. Uh, Sampdoria are, are are winning. You know, this was a maybe more resourceful win from them when they're at home. They've been pretty dominant in their games. Um, you know, this is one where they just kind of pulled the resources together to get the three points. And Genoa again, snake bit. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, how hot is Ivan Juric's seat at this point? I think it should be flaming hot right now because I think you know you losing the derby. You already his seat was already hot before this game, and this is a big derby. And then he lost, and it wasn't even close. I mean, I guess statistically it could have been close, but I mean, two nothing scoreline, get embarrassed at home. I, I'm so, I would be surprised if he makes it through the week. Yeah, it's uh, you know if there's ever a time to part ways with a manager, the uh, uh, the, the, a FIFA break is a time to do it. So uh, that does concern me for him as well. We don't know anything yet, but, uh, you know, he is a guy that's possibly a prime target to be the next manager to get the sack. We've already had two casualties in that regard, uh, Cagliari and Benevento, uh, each with new managers. Uh, so it could very well be that um, uh, it could very well be that uh, Ivan Juric is next in line. It may not be a matter of if, it may be a matter of when. Uh, you got a couple of fun facts on this one, Richard? Yeah, uh, Sampdoria have won three consecutive Serie A derbies against Genoa for the first time since 1953. Um, and also, Genoa are now Gaston Ramirez's favorite target in Serie A so far, as he scored three times against the Rosso Blue in the derby. Mm, that's, uh, that's, interesting. that's interesting stuff. 1953, wow, Sampdoria, with some of their history and, and some of the teams that they had, especially in the early 90s, you would not have thought that. And um, is this about derbies? You know, when a, when a big derby comes around, you know anything can happen. You know, mm. with, the, with the rivalry games, and I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to go on a limb. And I'm saying this is one of the best derbies in the world, not from a talent perspective, not from two big teams. I'm talking about by, by fan perspective, by the fans how they get involved in the game. I mean, you watch all the flags in the game, the big tifos, both you know at Sampdoria and at Genoa. Um, it's it's a fun to watch as a neutral. I don't mean I don't know how the fans react, but I love watching this as a neutral. Um, it just glitz and glamour minus the talent. <laughs> yep, yep. 
Indeed. And, uh, it was, you know, and when you've got a map, when you've got an owner, um, like Ferrero at, at Sampdoria and well owners and Preziosi at Genoa just kind of adds to the spice, um, you know, oh, in, yeah. if you will. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, another good one. And once again, Sampdoria coming out on top in the Derby della Lanterna. There was another game on Saturday, Richard. Yeah, it was, um, a lesser game, if you will. It wasn't quite as big as the Derby della Lanterna, but it was Bologna against Crotone. Bologna came into the match on the back of three consecutive losses, albeit to Atalanta, Lazio, and Roma. Crotone, on the other hand, only one, only one had won once in five October games. Uh, someone's luck had to change, right, Frank? Someone's luck definitely had to change. Somebody had to win this game, or they could have just said, "Hey, let's just let's let, <laughs> let's go out there and let's have a little grappa and just." Uh, and we'll kick the ball around a couple times, and we'll walk out with a draw, too. That's what I expected from this game. Yeah, but we didn't get that. Um, both teams had opportunities early on, but it was Bologna on the front foot. Uh, they would strike first of a direct free kick. Paco di sinistro! E arriva un gioiello stupendo di Verdi che realizza il gol del 1-0. Bologna 1, Crotone 0. Simone Verdi scores a beautiful left-footed shot in the 38th minute. That lead wouldn't stay long as four minutes later, Ante Budimir scored from a header to level the match. We thought we were going to halftime with that score, and then Bologna earned a free kick just outside the box in stoppage time. Ancora Verdi, questa volta con il destro. Va Verdi! E questa volta trova un altro gol stupendo con Corazzi che ci arriva, ma non può niente. 2-1 per il Bologna, ancora Verdi! And there's a man against Simone Verde, this time with a sensational right-footed shot past Cordaz. With that goal, Verde became the first player to score two direct free kicks in a Serie A game with different feet since who knows when. It might be the only time ever. Hashtag ambidextrous. I have, I, you know, I'd like to think I'm up on my, my knowledge of, of football. I, I can't ever think of another time and another player where... It happened. A player scored a goal on two free kicks, but you know, one with the left foot and one with the right foot. I mean, of all the great free kick takers we've ever seen, most of them have been really good with one foot and then the other foot with not so much. Um, Ronaldo yeah. probably could do this, uh, but he hasn't. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's crazy to believe, but yeah, I think it's I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's the first time I ever heard of it. I mean, I've done it before in 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 in, in with, beer leagues with no it's, with no goalie. In t- <laughs> <laughs> I know the, the goalie. The, the, the goalies that I that I was lucky enough to score on, I don't think have the physical attributes that the goalies in Serie A have. So, yeah, just a little bit behind, right? Yeah, just just a, just a tad. So, um, but man, at, at that level, I've never. Yeah, at, at that level, I've never seen, never, never heard of that. It's uh, you know, for a player that's in very good form too. Uh, if, on top if, of it, if anyone can prove me wrong, please tweet us at uh, Serie A. Sit down. <laughs> yep. Well, to continue with the game, Marcello Trotta, he would eventually convert a penalty kick in the 68th minute to tie the match once again. Um, just two minutes later, the drama would increase one more time. Budimir, la palla sul sinistro, gli era il rimpallo. Ancora Budimir! Ed è un gol bellissimo! La doppietta di Budimir, che vuol dire sorpasso sul Bologna! Bologna 2, Crotone 3! Ante Budimir scores the go-ahead goal for Crotone. They would hang on for the 3-2 victory. Frank, Crotone, they're on a little bit of a roll here, and they they sounds like they want to stay in Serie A. This is incredible. Um, I mean, they beat a good I, Bologna team. 
They did. They beat a good Bologna team. And and, 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 the, and the other thing that I'm thinking about with Bologna is, uh, did they just drop two silly points again or, or even three? Yeah, um, you know, they, they made a habit of this last season, which, you know, kind of stunted their, their ability to get up the table. Um, we had this, you had, you asked me this question last week about Bologna and I said, this is exactly the reason why I can't trust them to crack the top 10 because they still do silly things like this. So, um, you know, but, uh, hats off to Cotone because at Bologna and then beating Fiorentina, these are two impressive wins. Yeah. And let's not forget, uh, they, 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 they kept Roma, they kept Roma quiet. I mean, only, only, only lost to them one nil. Uh, you know, so Davide Nicola has got this thing reined in, especially after that embarrassment at Sampdoria. Um, you know, this could be uh, uh, surviving last season uh, was was unheard of. To make it to a third season is still is unfathomable. But do you know what's working for them? There are so many just brutally awful teams in this league. Yeah, um, yeah. and somebody's got to stay up. And uh, you know, why not Crotone staying up again? Yeah, they had the magic last year, and they can continue this year. Like I said, with all the bad teams, um, they can do it. Why not? Because the other teams, mm-hmm. I mean, they don't look like they want to play. You know, stay here. So, I mean, at this time, you've got a tip. Uh, well, obvious. Benevento was in was was relegated to Serie B after about match week two, um, <laughs> and you know, Verona is playing better, but not getting the results. Genoa is another snake bit team. You've got a couple of other teams there that are underperforming. Uh, it could very well happen here for Crotone at this point, and uh, yeah, I may uh, I may be coming around. Um, I may be coming around to that. So, uh, but uh, you know, a lot of football left to be played. But uh, you know, even the defeat, even with the defeat at Roma, this has been a very impressive three-game stretch from Crotone here. Yeah, so, no. good for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Kicking off the Sunday slate, we had Inter playing host to Torino. Um, Obviously, it's been an outstanding start to this to, to, to life under Luciano Spalletti for the Nerazzurri. Uh, Torino uh, having a little bit of an indifferent run of form under Sinisa Mihailovic. Uh, getting back to being that Torino that was conceding a bunch of goals, although, you know, showing a, a, a little bit of a sign that they tightened it up after only conceding one to Cagliari. They were blitzed at Fiorentina, um, held, you know, kept Roma quiet again. Uh so we didn't know what we were going to get at the at the San Siro when we were talking about Torino. We might expect that Inter could have blitzed them for a couple of goals early, but that didn't happen. This was actually nil-nil at halftime, uh, which was uh, rather surprising, Richard, considering the fireworks that both of these teams are capable of. Absolutely, and I mean, the chances were there, but it just it, both teams were snake-bitten as far as goals, and both these teams can score, like you said. Uh, Torino, while they give up a lot of goals... They score a lot, and and Inter, as we've seen this season, they can score goals in bunches uh, with the with the attacking trio that they have um, at at any given time. So um, I was I was very surprised to see it was zero zero. Yep, but the uh, fireworks weren't going to be too far behind because in the 59th minute, a man in form just popped up. Attenzione al toro, Iago Falca limite dell'area, Iago Falca potrebbe calciare, Torino in vantaggio, Iago Falca una zero. Iago Falke. Wow, this man, Richard, we've got to do the squad that if you know the next week with Mark Neal, uh, he is desperately trying to get into this thing, isn't he? Yeah, I guess he's trying to take the place of Belotti, who's been missing most of the season. So he's like, I need to be the representative. <laughs> Another great goal from him, and that yeah. put Torino up in a surprise 
1-0 lead. And uh, Luciano Spalletti calls on the reinforcements and he brings on Ader. And whenever he brings on Ader, everybody knows me that knows me on Twitter. It's like, all right, Ader's coming in. This is wrapped up. Three points for Torino. But... Su sinistro, altro cross per Icardi. La palla dentro, Ader! 1-1! La rimette in piedi l'Inter! I suppose the sun has to shine on a dog's ass every once in a while. Ader scores uh, to give Inter the equalize to give Inter the uh, uh, the one-one uh, draw to make it one-one, I should say, uh, and that's how it ended up. Um, he still sucks, Richard. I was gonna say, did you break anything when he scored? <laughs> no, I had said because we're gonna talk about Juventus and Benevento here next. I know that you have the recap for that, but I said that Ader scoring an equalizer to get into a point. And then we'll talk about what was so key about the Benevento Juventus game. I went to Twitter and I said, um, I, I'm going back to bed. Serie A, can you get back to? Can you bring me back to your normal par- normal universe instead of this frightening, <laughs> this frightening alternative that you've put me in? And then I said, Wait, Milan might win today. I'll stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I'm paraphrasing my tweet. <laughs> so I was That's like, funny. Okay, Ader, Ader scoring. Benevento beating Benevento ahead of Juventus. Uh, yeah, I better I better stick around for this day because Milan might have a win <laughs> against Sassuolo. So, but uh, but yeah, uh, you know, this is one of those that uh, brave performance from Torino more, um, you know, than uh, in my opinion, at least a brave performance from Torino. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I with with the attacking talent, this for somebody that's trying to maybe potentially now. Because they are with the form that they're in and the way they've started the season, they're thrust into the Scudetto race here. Inter, um, this is two points dropped for them, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, with the way the rest of the results panned out this weekend, you know that was definitely two points lost because they, you know, they're they're in this race and, and and at this point at this point of the season or for the rest of the season, you know, these points come at a premium. Any 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 hiccups you have will affect you at the end of the season. Um, and you need to keep getting the three points as often as you can. And for Inter, they 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 missed out on one today. Um, you know, I do got to give it to both goalkeeper because they both both goalkeepers made some fantastic saves. But for Inter, yep. you got to look at the big picture here. And if you're trying to really trying to win a Scudetto, you 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 shot yourself in the foot a little bit. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a total loss because you're still in the race. But I mean, just two points you dropped against a team that normally gives up many goals. You only scored once against them. That's uh, it's a little bit disappointing, I would say. Indeed, indeed, and in particular, you're talking about the goalkeepers. In particular, Sirigu was excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, the, the multi-calcio uh, round of games now is what we're uh, coming upon, and, and Richard has the next one for us. But once again, Lazio and Udinese were postponed. Uh, bad weather, waterlogged pitch, uh, just completely unplayable. So. Uh, they will reschedule that, but uh, Rich has got the next one for us. Yeah, actually, before we get to that, real quick, um, Inter are unbeaten in their first 12 Serie A games played for the first time since the 07-08 season. Talk about uh, an unusual Juventus or un- unusual Inter. This is not your. Uh, this is not last season's Juventus. I keep saying Juventus. This is not last season's uh, Inter. By any that was Mancini's. Uh, that was Mancini's last season. His first stint there, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay, you said 07-08. I just was maybe it was nineteen oh seven, nineteen oh eight. But yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah. There's some validity. Those inter teams in the uh, in, in the late you know first decade of the millennium were really good. Obviously, they won the treble. So, um, but yeah. So I, I just wanted to make sure we were we were clear on that because you know they have a you know 
were they even around in 1907, 1908? Were they one of the original teams, or were they did they come on a little bit later? They were, I, oh, I want to say 08, but I don't quote me, Interfans. Okay. I want to say it's 1908, but anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. back to the next game we were talking about. Um, it was Benevento and Juventus. This game meant it was time for Juventus to slaughter the lamb. It was the 120th anniversary for the old lady, and they wore their traditional black and white jerseys for this one. But the visitors looked to spoil the celebrations, and in the 19th minute... Amato Ciceretti with a free kick goal and was a shock in order, Frank? I don't know. It was one nothing at this point. Benevento's got the lead. You still think we're in this kind of realm, realm world here? You know, Eder scoring... And then Benevento takes the lead on Juventus. I mean, at the J, too. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the traditional black and white jerseys. I mean, they, they've always worn the black and white stripes. I think that there was, you know, the, what, what was it with those things? Okay, so there was, the sponsor wasn't on there? <laughs> and the yeah. names weren't on no the name, back? And no just, names were on it. Yeah, it just was, it was, you know, I didn't... Uh, other than that, I wasn't sure what what the what what the getup was. I mean, I it's a you know it's a celebration. I mean, 120 years in existence. It's a special celebration for them. So, you know, so good for them. But yeah, I mean, uh, brilliant free kick from Chicharetti. Uh, and uh, yeah, we were we were living in some sort of alternate universe with the way things were going with Serie A. Uh, you know, especially in those first 45 minutes. Uh, I don't think ever in my life I would have imagined uh, Benevento. <laughs> Ahead of Juventus at the J for 45 minutes. They may not have a point. Um, they may not have a point to their name this season through 12 games, but they arguably have the most impressive 45 minutes of any team based on their quality. <laughs> That's right. Uh, throughout the season. That's, figure that out for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it looks, I mean, Benevento's up 1 0, and they're going to they're gonna win this game, right? <laughs> Of course not. No, it's Benevento. The score would finally be level, though. It took a while. It was the standard Gonzalo Higuain scoring in the 57th minute. Uh, and, re- and a normalcy would be restored just eight minutes later. Il contro cross quadrado ed è il gol del 2-1. Mette la freccia la Juventus. Il gol di Juan Cuadrado. Juventus 2, Benevento 1. Juan Cuadrado wins it for the old lady as they continue to push to the top of the Serie A table. Um, I have a little fact about Juventus that was interesting. I thought Juventus have now scored in 40 consecutive league games, just three short of the Serie A record, which they set in 2014. They are. Mm. They're starting to get it together now. They're starting to get it together. Um, Benevento was a nice story. That in the first forty-five minutes, they got the goal, took the lead at the J. Um, but then normalcy return. The standards scored. Juve wins. Not much yeah. to say about that. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, uh, I mean, brave effort from Benevento. They seem to be showing a little bit of signs of life under Roberto Di Zerbi here. You know, over these last few games, I mean, the, uh, the the defeat to Lazio had to be expected with the way things. I mean, we talked about that last week with Lazio, uh, you know, but coming within seconds of getting their first point of the season at Cagliari and then these 
these 45 minutes. The signs are there. Um, now there's the World Cup break, and there's a game here coming up November 19th against Sassuolo. If they can't find with how bad Sassuolo have been and how much they've been struggling, if they can't find points there, I don't know if they'll have points at all the entire season. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're looking into we're getting into record territory here with Benevento. Um, zero points on November fifth. That uh, I don't know if I've ever seen. And we thought we thought Crotone was bad last season. Mm. We thought, and we thought, or not? That was what was the last season? Yeah, it was Crotone. And Crotone had what four or five points at that point? Maybe yeah, four points I think. So I mean, they were light years ahead of Benevento. So yeah. I mean, anything's possible, but it's not looking good right now. Mm. It's uh, we'll we'll have to see what happens. As for Juventus, uh, you know, their blush is spared a little bit. Uh, I think that. You know the professionals out there are going to say, "Hey, it's three, at the end of the day, it's three points. Who cares? Let's move on." So, um, moving on, we had uh, Cagliari playing host to Hellas Verona. Uh, we just got done talking about Cagliari uh, rescuing their uh, rescuing their win over uh, Benevento. Uh, you know, a couple of match days ago, um, and uh, now playing host to a Verona side. This was a relegation six pointer because coming in, Cagliari was on nine points, Verona was on six. Verona was showing some signs of life. Uh, Cagliari just trying to, uh, you know, tread water at this point, just like a lot of these teams that are maybe in that 14, 15 to 20 range. Um, and uh, Cagliari would get a penalty uh, in the 11th minute uh, and would miss it. Uh, so that was uh, Luca Cigarini who took that penalty. Uh, and uh, just 17 minutes later, though, his blushes would be spared. Tutta dentro. E poi il gol, il gol del Cagliari 1-1. Se non ho visto male, un autorete va ad esultare Cepitelli. Luca Cepitelli uh, with a goal in the 28th minute. And I should apologize because it was actually Hellas Verona who took the lead here. My eyes are getting bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hellas Verona opened through Bruno Zuccolini, and then it was Luca Cepatelli who equalized, and it was 1-1 for a large part of this game. Uh, getting a little choppy with some yellow cards, but five minutes from time, the Sardinians would find a winner. Attenzione, con il palo gol da parte di Farago, che ruba un pallone sanguinoso. Paolo Farago uh, with the goal uh, to put Cagliari in with the victory. Uh, and uh, get uh, Cagliari to a precious three points, puts them six clear of the drop. Meanwhile, for Verona, another disappointment, actually opened this game with the lead through Zuccolini. Why are Alessio Cecchi, Giampaolo Pazzini, you know, at times Daniele Verdi are in there. These are some decent names. You've got Romulo working through the midfield. Why the struggle for Verona to score goals in this league? I don't know, and it's even more perplexing than Sassuolo because these guys at Verona have played together last season. They did really well last season. Pazzini, I think, led the league in scoring, so it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's a different league, yeah, but you have a bunch of Serie A vets on the team. I don't get why the guys, the team, can't just put it together and, and string some wins together. They're, they're, they have quality on it. And they're just playing like they're Benevento. I don't know. Yeah. Something's not right. Something's not going right there over there at Verona, and this yeah. was uh, this was a disappointing. This was points that they needed to have. 
if they're going to mount any kind of effort to get out of this uh, bottom three. Uh, you know, for Calgary, another win. Um, and, uh, you know, a chance for them. They, they're they beating the teams that they need to fight off to survive and make it through another season. Beat Benevento and now beat Verona. Uh, so uh, for the Sardinians, these wins are important. And they just, you know, they're not pretty. You know, in most cases, they do have some creative players when you talk about a Joao Pedro and the team. Uh, you know, a Diego Farias when he pops up at times. I think uh, Pavoletti is still trying to find his way into this team a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but a, a, a team that certainly has the, the, the capability to bother some people on their day. Um, but, uh, and, you know, and finding ways to get points and right now sit 14th. So, hmm. um, you know, looking at, you, you know, looking at this again, relegation six pointer, beat those, beat those teams that are going to be around, be around you so that you can uh, make sure you survive and see this for another season. Yeah. You had a, uh, you, you, you ended up drawing, you ended up, uh, pulling the, uh, goalless draw out of the hat, uh, yeah. out of, out of the recaps and, uh, one of the, t- would never imagine a goalless draw with the team that's involved, but go ahead. Yeah, I finally got a Napoli game, you know. Um, it's against Chievo, too. So they Have can... I not given you a Napoli game? I think, I, I'm, I mean, you probably did. I just, I'm just being funny. I mean, it feels like I haven't because I don't know. But anyway, um, the flying dog. Huh? I'm taking all the. I'm taking all the glory. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you got Napoli and Juventus in the same week, and you got them on the week that they struggled. There you I go. Know, I know. <laughs> well, you know, with the flying donkeys playing against uh, Napoli, I thought we we're going to get another four-one scoreline, right, Frank? Uh, that wasn't I, the case. There, we can't even use any Lega City A sound. It's kind of crazy, I, I, especially when you talk about Kievo, because Kievo doesn't care about defending. They and go forward. Both, you know, both, they try- both teams are guaranteed three goals a game. Usually Napoli scores three and Kevo gives up three, but in this game, nothing. I mean, you know, despite Napoli's dominance in, the, in possession, 73% to 27%, dominance in shots, 19 to three, and they had more, all of the scoring opportunities, this game would end 0 0 in a, in a stalemate, making the race at the top even tighter than it should be. Um, mm. I have nothing to add on this match other than disappointment for Napoli. You know, you're 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 here, and all of a sudden you're saying this is for the Scudetto. This is for the Scudetto. Then you go and pull a flub like this against Kievo is not nothing special. Um, they they're gonna you should be able to score on Kievo. Yes, they're gonna probably score on you too. But um, zero zero. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, Champions League hangover. Yeah. A lot of energy expended in that game against Manchester City. I mean, yeah. I you know, watching that. that game, they really went for it there. Uh, you know. FIFA break, you know, right afterward, you know, it's a, it's a trap spot. It's a, it's definitely a trap spot for a team like Napoli or anybody like Napoli, you know, where you want to like, where you, where you just find yourself limping into that uh, international break. So. I, uh, I, so I do, I actually do have one thing for you and I, that's Frank, what's the uh, current calculator say about Napoli's goal per game ratio? Okay. We have the Napoli uh, season long goal tracker and at, with this goalless draw today, their uh, season long pace uh, takes a sharp dive. Uh, I believe last week we had them at 113. Uh, that is now dropped to 101. Ooh, getting, getting close to that 100 threshold. Uh, that, 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 that goalless, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't sit good. No. So, so if we think there's a team that's capable of you know, scoring over 100 goals this season, it's Napoli. So that's the one that we track. So, uh, and obviously, no Chiro Immobile tracker uh, this week with Lazio's game being postponed. So, um, but uh, yeah, puzzling. You know, you would have looked at this game and, and thought that the goals were going to be here, but the game that I've got for you is where the goals were. <laughs> so, 
That's probably why they they took the gate they took the goals away from uh, Verona where Chievo and Napoli were playing, and they brought them to Tuscany where we had uh, Fiorentina playing host to Roma, Roma on a high, and why not? Uh, just winning game after game after game, and they have an eleven match winning streak away in Serie A on the line, uh, traveling to the Artemio Franchi to take on a Fiorentina side that really are finding some form here under Stefano Pioli, and as we have been saying, are really uh, getting ahead of schedule here uh, with their project uh, under him and with the uh, players that they've acquired. So uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about them just a little bit. But uh, you know, before we can say anything about Fiorentina, it was actually Roma who got this going first. El Sharawi, limite dell'area, tocco per Cherson, che firma il suo primo gol italiano al quinto minuto. Roma straordinaria. Gerson popping up and scoring for the Gelorossi. Is that Gerson's first goal for Roma? I think it is. Um, we have to check with uh, Dave, who uh, who followed him over in Brazil. So I know he's been keeping an eye on him, but I'm pretty sure Gerson, that's his first goal. That's the first time I remember. He, I think he scored in Europa League, possibly, last okay. season. But, um, yeah, no, that's his first goal in Syria, I believe. Yeah, he, he scored, his, uh, scored his first goal, puts Roma ahead 1-0. Uh, but the joy for Roma is short-lived. Gil Diaz col sinistro! Il pareggio immediato della Fiorentina con Veretù! Jordan Veretù uh, equalizing for Fiorentina. Uh, the Frenchman uh, getting the Tuscans to 1-1 at that point. But uh, just 21 minutes later, it would be Gerson again. Spazio per Gerson, entra in area di rigore, Gerson, 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 concede il bis al trentesimo, colpendo questa volta sul primo palo, è 2-1 Roma, è ancora il momento di Gerson. 2-1 to Roma, uh, but then nine minutes later. Cross dentro, verso Simeone, che incrocia e fa 2-2 al trentanovesimo, la firma del Ciolito. Giovanni Simeone has the answer for Gerson's brace. So two of Fiorentina's new signings uh, popping up and scoring here on Roma, making it 2-2 at halftime. Uh, I see John Solano pretty much uh, cursing the day Costas Manolas was born uh, um, <laughs> at halftime. And then, of course, when he says that, uh, just five minutes into the second half, he does this. Cross dentro! C'è una deviazione! Esulta Manolas! La Roma! He gets a goal and puts Roma ahead uh, 3-2. And just three minutes from time, Nectat turns up and scores a goal. Wait, this is Roma. We have to be specific. Diego Perotti uh, scoring and giving (laughs) Roma the 4-2 win. That's now 12 consecutive Serie A away matches won by Roma. Yeah, that is a uh, Serie A record. It's a new record. Is that our new record? Yeah. I just knew that they won 12 in a row. I didn't think that that would be a record, but that's fantastic. Well, you're talking about on the road, right? Yeah. 12 yes, away matches. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a Serie A record. And that dates back to last year, of course. Obviously, Spalletti having a little bit to do with it, but Eusebio Di Francesco in particular. Um, more evidence that this Roma team is showing a backbone. I mean, uh, yeah. we're, running out of, we're running out of adjectives for Eusebio Di Francesco and the start he's gotten this team off to. Yeah, it's uh, you really got to give him kudos. Um, as a se- as each week goes on and Roma keeps putting up these results, 
both in Champions League and Serie A. My my vote for manager of the year is swaying to him. Um, if it isn't already slightly leaning towards him, um, he's they're doing a fantastic job. Just the defensive work that the team has tactically, um, they're able to hold leads now. Um, they look more confident in play. Uh, when before when it was one nothing or two nothing, you were worried that when would the team come back, the opponents come back. Now you're like, they're gonna hold us through. They're, I don't know, shouldn't be really worried here. We're probably gonna score more goals too. So, um, all credit goes to Di Francesco. No, I definitely agree with that. And uh, you know, as far as Fiorentina and as far as uh, Stefano Pioli is concerned, no shame here. Um, I mean, obviously they came off that disappointing defeat at Cotone. Uh, and certainly had something to prove, but no shame here to to the uh, to the viola and to the supporters. You ran into a buzzsaw today, yeah. um, just the the form that Roma are in at this point. So, uh, chance to put it right uh, at Spa before the big one at Lazio on November twenty sixth uh, for uh, Fiorentina. You know, sitting about well, maybe a little bit. They're in ninth. We thought maybe that would be their place at the end of the season with them sitting about twelfth or thirteenth right now, but they are. Uh, they're in ninth now, so maybe the, the the team is coming together to a point where they could kick on and work work their way up a little bit. But um, I think consi- all, all things considered, if you're a Fiorentina fan, and we've talked about this here con- for consecutive weeks, got to be pretty got to be pretty content with where things are at with them. Yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the, the project is a little bit ahead of schedule in, in our estimation. I mean, we have to talk to some more Fiorentina fans to find out what they think, but. Um, it's going nicely right now. You got a, you know, your ninth place and the team still hasn't gelled yet. So once the team really starts kicking on, um, they're going to slowly chip away at the teams that are above them. And who knows? Maybe it'll lead to a Europa League spot or, or better. But, um, yeah, it's, it's good for Fiorentina right now because they're, like, I, I, in my estimation, they're ahead of schedule. Um, yep. and I like what Pioli is doing. I do think he's a, he's a good fit for them. Um, and, oh, I, I'm really curious to see how how the team progresses, not only just position wise in the table, but how tactically how they change and are able to really adapt to uh, Pioli's system. So it's it, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they, what they have for the rest of the season. Agreed, absolutely, I agree with you there. So so yeah, so uh, Fiorentina uh, coming away uh, without any points, but uh, certainly a. Um, uh, you know, a Roma side that's just been fantastic and 12 in a row away is a Serie A record. Uh, good on them. So, uh, moving on, uh, we have two games left. You had the, uh, the game, you have the game here that took place at six o'clock Italy time. Yeah. Um, your team you just mentioned, uh, earlier, uh, a couple of minutes ago, Spal, they went to Atalanta. Atalanta, you know, they were glad to be back at home after their away match at, in Europa League. Um, hosting Spal, as I said, who were looking to build off last week's win over Genoa. Atalanta got on the sheet first when, uh, off a corner kick, Rafael Toloi volleyed a pass out of midair and. Cristante Toloi la mette in mezzo per Petagna! Ace Cristante che fa 1-0! Brian Cristante scored an easy goal, well, easy for me to say, uh, from the six yard box. Uh, Atalanta were looking to cruise the victory when all of a sudden this happened. Palla che passa, conclusione! E arriva il gol da parte di Rizzo, 1-1. Luca Rizzo scores a terrific curling shot seemingly out of nothing and Spal get a much-needed point in their season. Um, that goal that Rizzo scored, I mean, it was a, it seemed like a broken play in the corner. Uh, Rizzo came free. 
and then just unleashed a shot. It doesn't look like anybody was ready for it. Um, certainly not uh, Barisha. And I mean, that was a beautiful goal. What a what a way to tie it, and what a way to get a point for your team, huh? Pesky little suckers, aren't they? That's ball. Yeah. Um, they're just uh, they're, you know, they're going to ruin somebody's season. You know, they're going to cost. They're they're going to be responsible for for a team not getting the points that they need to finish. You know, in a European place or win a Scudetto or something like that. I think that. You know, in their own way, they're going to have a say in some of these, uh, you know, and how some of this plays out. Just the way they're set up, uh, you know, and the way they do things. They're a frustrating team to play against. Um, you know, Milan certainly learned that. It took them two penalties to beat them. Uh, you know, Juventus had an easier time with them. Uh, but they're going to be one of these teams. And actually, you know, Napoli even had their frustrations with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they're, they're a stingy outfit. And, uh, you know, congratulations to them on getting this point at Atalanta. I certainly didn't see that coming. I thought that Atalanta would win this game and, uh, you know, give themselves to, a chance to work their way up the table a little bit here. But, um, you know, it's a point game for Spall, but, uh, you know, much I'm not going to sugarcoat this for Atalanta. Sure. Yeah, much need a point. But I'm not going to sugarcoat this for Atalanta. This is two points dropped for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they want to be in the top ten and or even higher. Um, losing two points like this is going to be a, a big blow to them. And for and for Spal, you know, they're trying to stay in Serie A, and any point they can get is is, is big right now. And that that's a big point against a good team in Atalanta. Um, you know, I thought we thought Atalanta was on a roll. They had been for a while, but just maybe they're maybe the Europa League is Europa League games are starting to catch up to them. And and maybe I mean I don't know. Maybe they just overlook Spal, you know, considering you know. Where they where they just played in Europa League, so I don't know. Well, we'll see how next week plays out, but you know, it's not a it's certainly two points lost for them. Yep, definitely agree with you there. So, uh, red card in this game from Atalanta that was uh, Remo Freuler in the 69th minute. Yeah, just trying to go back. I think that was a straight red, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, uh, you, but that happened obviously after the two goals were scored. Uh, didn't seem to you know, terribly impact things. Obviously gave Spall an opportunity to go forward and create a few more shots and try to win the game. Uh, but, uh, you know, so in, 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 in that instance, Atalanta holding on, getting the point, I think they'll take it. Uh, but when you look at a fixture like this, and if you're trying to reassert yourself as a, um, you know, as a team that's trying to, uh, you know, retain a European place for next season, you have to win games like this. So. Agreed. Uh, yep. So. Uh, rounding off the uh, match week 12 slate was uh, Sassuolo and Milan, two managers under a lot of pressure for very different reasons. Uh, Sass, you know, and by each team's standards, off to miserable starts to the Serie A season coming in. Milan, uh, you know, losing a lot of games, dropping a lot of points left and right. Uh, you know, Sassuolo struggling to score goals, which uh, we keep saying each week is astonishing to us considering the quality that they have available to them. Uh, so something had to give in this game, uh, and it gave in the direction of the visiting team, Milan, uh, and it would give in the 39th minute. Il cross Cialanoglu deviato, salta di testa e trova il gol Romagnoli! Alessio Romagnoli. Uh, well, when your strikers aren't scoring, you're going to have to get goals somewhere. Uh, so Romagnoli popping up on a corner after uh, Suzo played it short to Chalinalu, who had put the ball across. Uh, you know, some complaint from uh, Andrea Consigli about, uh, you know, being fouled in the process. Uh, did you see anything in there? Was that a fair goal there for Romagnoli? 
I thought it was a fair goal. I mean, um, no. and naturally on a play like that, bodies are going to collide and stuff. But I thought it was, uh, I was innocent enough, and I thought you know, good goal from Romagnoli for sure. Okay, yeah, that's I, I agree. You know, sometimes it's just <laughs> sometimes it's just sour grapes, and and then when it's bad, it's bad. And then uh, that was a one 0 lead for uh, Milan going into the break, and then in the second half, about halfway through the second half, uh, uh, the man that uh, now it's starting to become a discussion that maybe Milan are a little too dependent on him. Well, he came through and uh, helped Milan secure the three points right here. Si avvicina all'area, Suso la mette sul sinistro, può calciare! Suso, tanto per cambiare, fa Sassuolo 0, Milan 2! Suso with the second goal for Milan, and they would go on and win this game 2-0. Uh, blah, really, Richard. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy for the win as a Milan supporter. But it's Sassuolo. Yeah, I mean, but and and I guess we should look at it this way. Sassuolo has been a very aggravating team for Milan to play through the years. Yes, yes, um, very. You know, so I think that you know there's positives to take there. Um, you know, it's it's three points now. They're in seventh. Uh, you know, there's some Milan supporters who are probably disappointed that Milan won this game because it means Montella may potentially keep his job or at least the seat might cool off a little bit for him. That's still for. Uh, very important people, uh, not you and me, to decide. Um, so we're not important. Well, we're important, <laughs> but not in the res- not, not when it comes to His deciding whether or not, yeah, Vincenzo Montella should have a job. Gotcha. gotcha. So let me ask you this: Did this did this helps uh, did this help Montella be able to keep the house here for a few more weeks? Uh, yeah, I think it helped cool cool the ship a little bit, um, cool the waters. Because if if they had lost this, uh, I don't think that he would make it past the uh, international break. I mean, I'm not one to say that he's going to be fired. He should have been fired, but I could see something happening if they lost to a team like Sassuolo, who's been struggling this season. Um, and, but like you said, Sassuolo has been a bogey team for Milan, and the fact that they won, they, to win is period is great. Um, so they got that off their, they got the losing streak out of the way. Um, they beat a team that's been plaguing you for many years. Um, so that's also good. So, you know, it, it'll keep things calm for now. Um, but, you know, come November 19th when the, or when, when Serie A resumes, um, that seat will be back back warm again. And then we'll see how I mean, it'll be warm for the rest of the season, no matter what. Um, and, you know, it depend, it's all dependent on whether they can make Champions League or not. Uh, the, the closer he gets to Champions League spots, the cooler the, the temperature will be. Uh, until that happens, it's going to stay fairly warm uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, they come off the break and they go right into the fire at Napoli. Yeah. Um, so he's it's, got uh, he's got two weeks to prepare for that. At least two weeks to prepare for that. So uh, if he wants to keep his seat, that's a perfect time to uh, put your foot down and say, "This is why I'm the, the manager of Milan." Yeah, and I think he's safe too because I don't think that you want to. I don't think you want to make a move and hire a manager. This is the. I mean, this was the same same way with the international break with the people that are like calling for Montella to be sacked in that break with Inter being the first game coming off the break. Okay, so you want to bring Ancelotti in and give him two weeks to prepare for a derby when he's not going to have everybody there at Milanello. Um, you know, same scenario here. Players are going to be off with their national teams now. Um, you know, so that's another I think I think Montel is safe, if, if, you know, for those very reasons, in fact, and obviously getting the win today helped his cause. Um, I do want to give some props because I did – See somebody point this out on Twitter, and please forgive me for 
for, for, for not catching your name, but I wholeheartedly agree with you, whoever you are. Leonardo Benucci uh, in the AEK Athens game and in this game, that's the Leonardo Benucci that I was looking for. Yes. Uh, I think it took the suspension to wake him up, and I think he is starting to come around. So um, I have to mention him. I thought he was one of the better, if not the best players on the pitch. One of the, the better, if not the best player on the pitch. Yeah. And a, going a long way to why that game was so blah and boring. Yeah. So Cassie looked pretty decent too, um, considering how, yeah. how bad he or inconsistent he's been. So, um, yeah, good, good stuff, good stuff. Yep, Cassie played well. So yeah, finally came around for Sassuolo. Do you think? I mean, we talked about Juric. I mean, if 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 it's not Juric, Buki's in trouble here. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be. He's got to be. In, his seat's got to be uh, on fire. Um, they have decent players at at, at um, Sassuolo. They got really a, a pretty decent striking uh, from you know trio there, and they can't get it right. So something's got to change, I think. And I I, I think it. I, I think if you had to choose two man between the two managers between Juric and uh, and Buki, I would say Buki. I mean, I like I like both managers, but I, I would think Buki would have to go because it doesn't make sense why these these attackers aren't scoring. Um, Genoa just. I don't know what Genoa's had. Genoa's been in the games. They've been unfortunate. Uh, Sassuolo looks like they had nothing. They've been like listless almost. Um, so something's got to change there for for that for that to, to their situation to get better because uh, that's the only way. Because if you keep doing this, they're just going to keep dropping and dropping and into that relegation zone. And yeah, next thing you know, they're going to be in Serie B, and you don't. Nobody wants that as far as Sassuolo is concerned. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, anything surprising you from what you're seeing from the table here after 12 match weeks? Napoli, Juventus, Inter, 32-31-30, Lazio, 28, Roma, 27. That's your top five. You have Sampdoria there on 23 with Milan on 19. Lazio, Roma, and Sampdoria all have a game in hand. <clears throat> and then obviously at the bottom, Genoa, 6, Verona, 6, Benevento, 0. That's your bottom three. Sassuolo just above them on 8, and Spal just above that on 9. Uh, anything grabbing you so far uh, as far as how this table has looked? I mean, the obvious is Crotone. They're up at the 15th, but like you said, that could contribute to all the bad teams that are in Serie A right now. Um, I'm I'm surprised Torino is as high as they are. Um, they're a good. I mean, they had their the possibility of having a good team is there, but they've they give up a lot of goals. Um, you know, it's great seeing Sampdoria up there, Juventus. They're back in it, man. They're one point behind Napoli. Um, you know, Lazio still has, still has a game to play, so they'll probably be right in there too. But it's it's a fight. And Roma, don't forget Roma. It's a five-team race right now for the, for the Scudetto, which is great for Syria. It's just, yep. you know, all you can bring attention. I mean, they're five really good high-scoring teams. So um, this is fun to watch. So Yes, it is. Absolutely. What about you? So, Anything surprising you? Um. I mean, obvious. I mean, Inter, Lazio, and Roma right now. Um, you know, all all sustaining things quite well. Yeah. Uh, you know, we thought that. Uh, you know, some of us thought Roma were going to be in for a dip. Some of us thought Lazio were going to be for a dip, and none of us thought Inter would be this good this quickly. Um, you know, Sampdoria. We had to kind of expect because this is just a continuation of the role that they got on at the beginning of this calendar year. Yeah. Um, you know, but in general, I'm not. Terribly surprised by what I see. I, I, I said it last week. One through ten, these are these are the ten best teams in Serie A, um, and it's just a matter of what order you put them in. 
Um, you know, and uh, and then the rest of it after that uh, is just going to have to sort itself out. It's a matter of it's you know it's a fight for who's going to be eleven to fifteen. I think we've got an idea that Kiev, Bologna, and Udinese are going to be, you know, in those five places. You know, and then after that you have, you know, six or seven teams there that are just Blah. that stink. That stink. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no way getting around it. And Sassuolo, unfortunately, is lumped into that category. Yeah. They should be they should be better than where they are. So Verona should be better than where they are, and so should Genoa. You know, those are three teams right right there that jump out at me that say, mm, not satisfied with what I'm seeing with any of those three teams compared to what they look what they should look like on paper. So, um, but no, I mean, a third of the way into the season and certainly a long way, way to go. Programming note for you before we wrap this up with the uh, Italy call-ups. Uh, next week we will have Mark Neal. Uh, on for the fifth time we did confirm that he will join us and um we will uh, obviously recap what ha- went down in that first leg between sweden and italy in the world cup playoffs but more importantly squadra finora first edition for the 2017-2018 season who makes Woo! the cut and our flop 11 while we're at it too which i made a uh, unilateral decision here richard Okay. Well, that I did not include you on. We're not going to call it the flop eleven anymore. What are we going to call we're going, it? We're going to call it the crap on a cracker eleven, in honor of you. In honor of you, because <laughs> I have never heard that expression before. Really? You're the only one that says it. <laughs> You're the only one that says it. Uh, you, you, you said it. You answered it in a tweet on Thursday to me talking about Milan, and I think you mentioned it on a podcast a few weeks ago. I did. I did. Yes. I, I, I have never heard it. Maybe maybe they say that on some TV show that I don't watch. I don't know. I don't watch. When I watch TV, I watch sport. So um, so in honor of Richard, our flop 11 has been changed. It is the crap on a cracker 11. So and love it. And and for fun and for shits and giggles, we are going to reach out to our friends on Twitter and our listeners on Twitter. Give us your suggestions and uh Use those 140 characters to sell me on, sell me or Richard or Mark on someone that deserves to be in the Squadra Finora or the Crap on a Cracker 11. Now, mind you, the the, the, uh, criteria for making the Crap on a Cracker 11, you had to have played. You can't not get games. This is not like picking a Gabriel Jesus last year. That's what it, no, not Gabriel Jesus. He plays for Manchester City. Gabriel Barbosa, excuse me, Gabigol. Um, uh, you know, or or somebody like that, somebody that just never gets game. Right. They ha- they have to have played and they have to have proved that they were crap on a cracker. Okay, that's how it works. So you like that, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> all right. So programming note for that for next week. That's who we're we're gonna have Mark Neal. We're gonna go over all of that uh, for you on next Sunday's pod. Let's wrap this up with Giampiero Ventura's called up Azuri. All right. In a national team, when you have to look at World Cup semifinals or major international semifinals and finals as being the biggest games and the most important games, um, you know, that they could ever possibly play, what they're going to be doing over their next two games might be the most important games that they possibly play. In fact, uh, we are talking about uh, Italy's playoffs with Sweden on Friday. They go to Stockholm on Monday. They're back in Italy. Where is it in Italy for the uh, second leg? Oh man, um, that's a good question. Let me look at the let's look at the the trusty app here. 
It's at the Sansudo, I think. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. Just looking at the itinerary on the uh, FIGC.it. Oh, very good, because my app doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's at the Sansudo. So leg two is at the Sansudo. Leg oh, one leg is two. In... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, leg... Leg, leg one is in Stockholm. Yep. Um, uh, so... Uh, so that's uh, that's what we got to consider ourselves. Like, good, like this, uh, eighty-five thousand. Hope they pack that place full of blue, um, azuri blue, uh, for that matter. So, uh, but anyway, it is critical. It is Sweden and Italy, and uh, one team will advance to Russia twenty eighteen. One team will not. Uh, they'll be on the rails, joining the likes of Netherlands, Chile, and the United States. Um, <clears throat> and uh, here is what. Giampiero Ventura is rolling with. We'll start with the goalkeepers, Richard. Uh, there's no surprises here. Gigi Buffon, and he'll be the starter. Gigi Donnarumma, he'll be the two. And Mattia Panin will be the three. Uh, nobody got snubbed here. No, no. <laughs> we don't need to. Don't, they, they, those guys speak for themselves, especially Donnarumma, who I was very hard on in my most recent blog. But, uh, you know, another one that probably read my blog because he was good on Thursday against the AK Athens, and, and he was pretty good today against Sassuolo. Yep. We'll, we'll leave it at that, so. Um, all right, uh, defenders, uh, Davide Astori of Fiorentina, who will just hand out cups of water. It's what he usually does. Uh, <laughs> he never gets a game. Andrea Barzali, uh, because they need a sage, apparently. Um, Leonardo Bonucci, and, you know, by, by evidence, if, if these last couple of games are any evidence, he's back. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini, who has been very good in these last couple of games. Uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio, who's in very good form for Inter. Matteo Darmian, who only gets an occasional game for Manchester United. And Giampiero Ventura still picks him. Daniele Dugani, good. Ooh, finally. Yep. Leonardo Spinazzola, good. And Davide Sapacosta of Chelsea, which, okay, eh, whatever. I mean, he, he, he's not getting consistent games under Conti over there at Chelsea. Um, you know, played pretty well today against Manchester United. Uh, but um, the defenders, Richard, anyone missing? Ooh, missing. Um, Spinazzola's in there. That's who I would have thought. You know, Caldara isn't on the team. Um, Caldara's not. Caldara's not in. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm surprised that he's not there. Is he injured? Yeah. He's not injured. So I mean, um, that's the only one I could really think of. And you know, Darmian. I don't know why he's on the freaking team. And Berzali and and that story. But it's good to see Daniela Rigani on it. I'm glad that he finally he's on the team. So hopefully it'll be a a long stay for him on the national team. Although he made the last round of call-ups too, um, but I don't think he saw a game in either either qualifier. Um, but no Romagnoli, but it's he didn't. I don't think he's deserving of a call-up right now. I mean, I mean he's better yeah. than some of the guys here, but still, he's he's been struggling, which we we commented on a little bit, you know, last week in the defeat to Juventus. He's he's not he's not all the way there yet. So uh, I'm I'm fine with him not uh, not being part of this group. You know, at this at this particular moment, um, how about the how about Di Silvestri of Torino? Did he deserve an opportunity here? Over, I, I would have taken yeah. him over Darmian. He's been pretty good there on uh, on the right flank. I think he's playing the right flank. Oh, anyway, he's been very good this season so far. Yeah, um, he had a good assist today, I believe. Or yep. um, did he assist on Falke's goal? I want to say that he did. Yeah. 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 So I mean, he's been playing well this season, so it would have been nice to see him for sure. Hmm. Hmm. Indeed. So. Um, that's my only beef as far as the defenders are concerned. Uh, there should have been a spot for Diesel Destiny over. I, I would have taken Diesel Destiny over Darmian, but uh, 
you know, Darmian must uh, bring Ventura his food for him and things like that, and, and, and still gets the occasional start. So, uh, yeah, midfielders: uh, Federico Bernardeschi of Juventus, Antonio Candreva of Inter, Daniele De Rossi of Roma, Stefano Sharawi at Roma, well deserved. Alessandro Florenzi of Roma, very very good. Yeah. Um, Roberto Gagliarini of Inter. I'll scratch my head on that one. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne is being classified as a midfielder. Napoli. Jorginho! Finally! And it's even spelled right. Look it. <laughs> How about that? Oh, he came to his senses. He finally came to his senses. Jorginho will be a member of the Italian national team. He has been called up. Bravo, no more bravo. of this uh, Brazil nonsense and Tite and all this other stuff. He is he is an Italian now. Well done, Ventura. Glad you, glad you realized that the guy could play. Marco Parolo of Lazio, Marco Verratti of Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, a pretty straightforward group here. Yeah, I mean, um, I get, they probably have the Rossi in there just because if they want some kind of leadership in there. Um, mm-hmm. I like all the midfielders, really, even Gagliardini. Uh, great to see Jorginho finally, though. I want to, now, he needs to play, too, not just be called up. He needs to play, too, because he'll be instrumental for the team, but... Um, great. I, I like the midfield. It's it's looked better than the defense. <laughs> I think I think he's a good fit for the uh, second leg game and where 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 Italy might have more of the possession, where he can be some deep line, be in a deep lying role and can help pass and help create some things. I don't know if I envision him for the Sweden for the game in Stockholm, where you know they're going to be in a three four one two. They're going to have to be more in a shell. Um, they're going to have to guard against the likes of Forsberg and Berg and and, and players like that. Is Zlatan playing? Zlatan is not playing. Okay. So, so this is still a good side without Zlatan. Oh, I know. Forsberg is a heck of a player. Yeah, absolutely. Almost, uh, almost was a Milan player. Yeah. Depending on who you listen to in the summer. So. <laughs> anyway, and then forwards, uh, Andrea Bellotti of Torino, uh, sh- shaking off his injury and uh, proving that he belongs. Well, he, of course he belongs. Um, Eder, why? Why? Um, Manolo Gabbiadini of Southampton, who's he's been decent for the Saints, and then uh, Chiro Immobile of Lazio is a no-brainer, and Simone Zaza of Valencia. Good to see him get in. He's actually been very good for Valencia. He's got what, like nine goals, I think, for Valencia or something crazy. Yes, just don't let him take a penalty. <laughs> Dear God, don't let him take a penalty. Oh. Um, I, I'm good with this group, obviously, except for Ader. My my disdain for him is well documented. Um, uh, Jovinko is obviously busy with a playoff of his club team, but I wish it would have been him. Um, but there's got to be some other attackers that, that are certainly more deserving, getting more games, getting more run. Uh, if you had to replace Ader just on an Italian attacker in Serie A, who would you replace him with? An Italian attacker. Ooh, um, that is a tough call. Oof. I mean, I don't know. Oh, man. I'd rather do Cagliarella. He's a better form than, than uh, Eder is for sure. Um, yeah. Caprari is not a bad not a bad choice. Um, Verdi, but Verdi's inconsistent. You know, he had two two nice goals today or this weekend. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough call. I might just say I might say Caprari. I, I would go. I would go for Simone Verdi over Eder. I would go for um, anybody over Eder, really. But yeah, I would go for um, Quadrilla. I like that shout over Eder. I'm not totally there on Caprari yet. Uh, and um, I, I would have I would have taken Federico Chiesa over yeah, Eder. Yeah, um, he's he has shown some pretty decent form for La Viola. So um, you know, 
you know, happy to see some of the additions that uh, Ventura made. It sounds like somebody got in his ear because um, it was starting to get closer and closer to Jorginho being on his way to Brazil. Um, and now he is an Italian national team player, thank goodness. Um, you know, the power of social media and the power of influence actually works sometimes. <laughs> so it's fantastic. But uh, that is your squad list. And then the game at Sweden. What to look forward to, what to watch out for. The public enemy number one is certainly Emil Forsberg and the playmaking that he brings for Sweden. But watch out for Marcus Berg up front. Yes, he can finish it. He yes, can he can. It. This is a Sweden team that, I don't know if I want to say, like are liberated without Zlatan in there, that they're not Zlatan dependent anymore because obviously Zlatan, is a, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is an iconic player. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's a little bit more to them than what we've seen in the past from the Swedes. I think, uh, I think it helps, you know, it helps Forsberg because Zlatan isn't there. It gives him more freedom to pull the strings because you know he will. Um, so, I, I mean, like you said, he's an iconic player, but I think it, they're going to do better without him because they're, gonna, they're not going to feel that pressure to give him the ball at all times. I agree. Um, uh, very much agree with that. So, uh, you know, and then they've got some other decent pieces. They've got um, uh, they've got some they've got some fullbacks that come forward that are pretty good. Lustig uh, being one of them. Um, and I want to say uh, who's the other fella? He was playing for um, he was playing for Copenhagen. Uh, the fullback Augustinsson. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So they've got some they've got some fullbacks of their own that'll come forward. So it's going to be, you know, he's already hinted Ventura that it was going to be a three four one two. Uh, in Stockholm, um, you know, where somebody's going to play in a Trequatista role. But if you're going to play a 3-4-1-2, do you see an – is it Insigne and Immobile together up front then? Um, it, it has to be. I don't think – I don't know if they can – I don't know if they can just throw Belotti into it when he's just coming back from injury. Do you? Um, no, but maybe even Tura feels his job's on the line and he'll, he'll do it. Uh, I think an Insigne could, could work with Immobile or um, – yeah, I mean, really, unless you throw Florenzi up there, but or El Sharawi be, be another one. He's in, he's in really hot form right now. Um, yep. But yeah, other than that, um, there's not too much else. I mean, I can easily see him throwing Balotti there just because he wants to save his job and hopefully he hopes for the best. But um, yeah, you know, Insigne is a good shout. I think we're gonna get the BBC uh, with Buffon. I think he's gonna go for the tried and trusted, and I think that on that right hand side in that three four, if he's gonna do a three four one two, I can envision it being Candreva. Um, I can see the midfielders being a couple of real stopper types, especially when you're dealing with someone like a Forsberg. So I could see Parolo getting an opportunity, yeah, uh, in a, in, in a game like this. I did all see, um, you know, but y- you're going to put in a lot of over 30 guys in at that point, which, which could get scary. Maybe it's Verratti that'll sit in front of them, you know, in that kind of in that Trequartista position. I don't see anybody else who really could, you know, who, who could fill that role. And then you're talking about an, an Insigne Immobile or a Balotti Immobile, uh, you know, tandem and attack. And then that leaves a, you know, a left winger where it could be a Spinazzola. It could, you know, but it's probably going to be Darmian because that's how Ventura is. Um, but uh, be very interesting to see what he spits out. Uh, I think um, Yazuri will be very happy with a draw in Stockholm. I'm going to say it's going to be 1 1. What do you say? Yeah, I'm leaning toward the same thing, 1-1. I mean, I think uh, Forsberg will find some way to get his team a goal, um, whether it's an assist or a goal himself. And I think uh, mm-hmm. I think Italy will have enough in them just to get a goal and keep it tight. 
So sure. t- take it back to the San Siro and hopefully get a win there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, well, what do you all think? Uh, go to at City Asset down on Twitter or Instagram. Give us your thoughts on uh, the Azuri and their prospects for making it to World Cup 2018. Uh, and that will put a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit-down. Uh, time for a social media and shameless plug. Uh, Richard, what are you up to and where can we find you? You can find me at R underscore Carmen. And um, this this week recently uh, an article I put out that I failed to mention the name last week on purpose. Uh, but it was Pietro Pellegri is a young phenom from Genoa. Or as the owner likes to say, I have the next Messi on my team. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So I talk about him. Um, he's a big kid. He's uh, very much in the Zlatan Ibrahimovic mold, meaning he's six foot five and he's got all the all the technical abilities. So uh, he's one to look out for the future. So keep an eye on him. And um, I also um, I'm thinking about writing on a, a piece on Joshua Perez. He's the American who plays for Fiorentina, uh, oh. or is part of the farm system, I should say, of Fiorentina. So uh, look out for that. Okay. Yeah, that would be. Uh... Uh, that would be good. Um, I will uh, have a primer for the uh, upcoming World Cup qualifiers. That'll be the next thing in the Calcio Consultant. Um, you can find me at FTC underscore 21. Uh, my last piece was kind of Halloween-themed, the things that scare me about Serie A. Hopefully you gave that a read. Um, talking about some of the awful teams in Serie A, talking about Jen Luigi Bellabuma, mm-hmm. Napoli's Champions League prospects, which we feared the worst, and the worst is come and uh ventura is manager of italy and he's got the two biggest games of his career coming up so uh we will take the time to uh write about that we'll break down the squad uh and have a preview for how i expect those qualifiers to go um you can always go to at city sit down on twitter or instagram with your thoughts next week we will break down what happened in stockholm we'll get you ready for what's to come in milan uh, for the second game uh, between uh, Italy and Sweden. Um, and, of course, our squad with Inora and our crap on a cracker 11. Um, <laughs> this is great. I love this. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, do look forward to that. Do look forward to having Mark Neal on for an unprecedented fifth time um, as he gets his unprecedented fifth cap. Uh, so uh, we... Do hope you enjoyed this podcast and this edition of the Serie A Sit-Down, part of World Football Index. As always, uh, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.